Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our final preseason preview of the Big 12 teams here on the Neighborhood Watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors, the host of Locked On Houston Cougars. It is Parker Ainsworth. He is here uh, joining us to preview the team. Parker, it was a pleasure to meet you in person finally at Big 12 Media Days a little bit over a month ago. And uh, now we, we're, we're close, man. I mean, we're, we're within, you know, eight days for some teams, nine, I forget, let's see, uh, September 2nd. So we're about nine, 10 days away now from Houston kicking off their season. Thank you for being here. And uh, how is the excitement on your end? It's a lot. Um, honestly, it's a, a season Houston's been looking forward to for a long time. Um, for those that don't know and aren't familiar with the program, Houston was the schools that got kind of left out when the Southwest Conference fell apart. And a handful of schools joined the Big 8 to make the Big 12. Um, and so Houston's kind of been fighting this uphill battle to get back into a big conference since the mid-90s. Um, and and now we're here. Uh, it, I know we opened with UTSA, and that's a group of five team on September 2nd, but that's a really good group of five team. <laughs> and so that's a little nerve-wracking and stressful in of itself. There's all this excitement about TCU in week three, and like UTSA in week one is no joke either. <laughs> Yeah, and, and the big the big storyline I think moving in here is I mean Dana Holgerson, you know, I, I know he's had an eleven win season, but last year's eight and five with the group they had it was was pretty disappointing. There's a lot of questions moving into this season. Where do you think um the fan base because it's a different kind of question here, where do you think the fan base is? And then where are the power players at Houston when it comes to the head coach Dana Holgerson? So I will say there's like a large collective of fans in comments on my show, on message boards and things like that, um, that don't seem to be his biggest fan. And I say that mostly because he's done things like when there have been at one point for actually later, late in the season. So for the majority of the season last year, Houston led all of college football in penalties. And he kind of, you know, dismissed that as like, you know, we tell them not to jump off sides. What do you want me to do? Like, like that didn't sit very well with some people. Um, but then the other half of your question, I think is, Intent, very intentional because Tillman Fertitta, the same Tillman Fertitta that owns the Houston Rockets and Landry's restaurants and a handful of casinos that just go off the coast of Galveston into the water. So you're legal, able to do that in Texas. Um, he's the big donor. 
it's the Fertitta Center is where they play basketball games, and he is a fan of Dane Olgers. <laughs> and so uh, you'd have to have Fertitta flip on him. Um, to be fair, like you said, he has been successful in Big 12 before at West Virginia to the degree that West Virginia was successful, right? Um, I think there's reasonable expectations there. He was 12-2, and two and um, they went to the Birmingham Bowl and beat Auburn just two years ago. I feel that feels like a lifetime ago, but that was just two years ago. Um, and then last year they had a bun- bunch of one-score lo- one losses. And so, you know, do you flip one or two of those and, you know, you lose to Tech in double overtime? Do you feel a whole lot different if you beat Texas Tech in double overtime as a Big 12 opponent? You know, those kinds of things did not go their way. They played Tulane really close. We saw what Tulane did to USC. So I'm more optimistic, I think, than the average person, but I think the average person does not matter in this because Tillman Fertitta seems to like Dana. The Fertitta flip is what they're going to need to get him out of there. Yeah, you know, it's, it's so interesting. I mean, like, it's one of those schools where, um, you know, like w- there is one guy who's kind of the main the main power player uh, you know, when it comes to, to, you know, what's happening there. But I, I guess we'll see. And I, we've talked about it, you and I have. But, like, the idea of, like, all right, Dana's, Dana's – a little bit of a protection for him is the fact that he did have so much success at West Virginia – and does know how to win in this conference. And you'd, you'd hope the idea is like, they just kind of have to find the right guy at Houston because it's located in such a talent rich area. They are now in a power conference. They're now in a power conference that's based in Texas. So it's not like they're going to, you know, they're not one of these schools that's caught up in a situation where they're going to be leaving their state to play a lot of the games. They obviously get all their home games in Texas, but too, but like they're going to be able to play Texas tech and play TCU and play Baylor and, Oh yeah, they'll get to you know keep playing UCF in Florida, and they get to go to Arizona now. So I think <laughs> the long term outlook for them is pretty good. This season, though, there's a lot of questions about how good the Cougars are going to be. Yeah, I think the questions stem from a lot of question marks in the roster. So Houston took full advantage of the transfer portal, like most schools in their position position should. Right, moving up to a Power Five conference, you need new faces. Um, they got 42 new guys on the football team, um, including they just recently named him the official starter, I guess. But Donovan Smith, uh, quarterback at Texas Tech a year ago, uh, and admittedly, Texas Tech had a pretty packed quarterback room, and I don't think he was starting by the end of the season, but he was certainly starting when he played Houston. <laughs> um, and Houston fans like that. He also beat Texas while he was at Texas Tech. I think that's something that would mean a lot to Houston. Um, but on the whole, they've got guys like him. They pulled in uh, Joseph Manjack, was a receiver at USC the year before. Um, they pulled in uh, AJ a, a Halsey, that is a kid originally from Houston that had a freshman All American type season in New Mexico. He's come back. Um, Brandon Mack had kind of an injury play career at Ole Miss. He's come to Houston. So they've got guys that like, have power five schools on their resume, but something wasn't working or panning out, or they just kind of needed a new scene. And so obviously Houston's hoping that all those randomly put together parts make a pretty good puzzle here. Yeah. So Donovan Smith's where I want to start. I'm a fan of Donovan Smith. I've always liked Donovan Smith. I think because of his physical intangibles, he, he does bring something different to the table. Um, and I think that, you know, they've, they've kind of that like, the offense is an area where they actually have more of the returning guys. The funny thing is, though, they're turning over a new leaf when it comes to especially to what they're going to do at the quarterback spot, right? 
because Clayton Toon obviously was there. I mean, for how long was he there for? Was it four? So or, or... since the Derek King debacle, he was a freshman right. when all that happened. Um, right. People kind of forget that he was the guy because the yeah, story was Derek weird. King. But <laughs> they, try to, they try to register Derek King, and he's like, okay, I'm just going to leave I'm now. Right, right, right. <laughs> Right. And so now it's Donovan Smith. And like, you know, a guy who's got experience at the conference. I mean, that's kind of the main part of this offense that is changing is that quarterback. Yeah. And I'm a sucker for dual threat quarterback. So I love it. Um, Clayton Toon, obviously, I mean, he's a pro and he may, he may with Kyler Murray hurt, start a number of games for Arizona this year. I mean, he's really, really good. And, and we wish the best for him at the pros. I don't mean to say it like we're better off without or anything like that. But I love a dual threat quarterback, both schematically and what it does to the defenses and things like that. I love it in college football because at like the pro level, there's like this long term investment in quarterback, and too many hits is a bad thing. College football, we got four years. Like, <laughs> let's go have some fun, you know. Um, and I think Donovan Smith's a really good athlete in that in, in that sense. I was impressed since he com- you know came to Houston and watching more of him, you know a little bit closer. He puts the ball on the sidelines really really well and out breaking routes and stuff like that. And so I'm intrigued to see what he does with Dana. We've seen Dana do work with guys like Clint Trickett. I think he can figure this out. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm wondering now the, the, the receiver spot. So, and, and also running back to the skill spots, right? So they, they kind of lose. Alden McCaskill didn't play last year, but his 2021 was, he, he almost had a thousand yard season and rushed for 16 touchdowns, which was like, you know, it's kind of strange. It was, you see guys go over a thousand yards and rush for nine. Uh, yeah. You know, so he he got some situational breaks. I guess you could say to help bolster that number, but he leaves and goes to Colorado. So what are they doing there? And obviously the big one is Tank Dell. Um, Tank Dell was a tremendous, tremendous player for them. Their best player, I would say, uh, I think pretty, pretty easily. So how are they replacing those two guys? Even they had to replace, obviously, McCaskill last year anyway. Yeah, so uh, start with receiver because I think it's an easier answer. Um, at the receiver spot, you've got to, like obviously you can't just replace, t- replace tank Dell with one person. No. Um, he had, was it uh, 15 touchdowns a year ago? Um, and, and again, he was the third round draft pick. He's on the Houston Texans. They got a pretty fun young group there. Cool to see him stay home too. But um, the way that they're going to do it, I guess I should say is Matthew golden was a freshman last year and actually set the freshman receiving touchdown record at university of Houston you know, obviously Tank Dell started off at junior college. There's a little bit of, you know, finagling numbers there. But it's nice to have that kind of guy coming back. Um, they have a number. Of, uh, Joseph Manjack, I mentioned earlier, started his career off at USC and is now at Houston. Um, and then they had the highest ranked uh, incoming re- uh, freshman class of receivers in the school's history as well, uh, led by Mikhail Harrison Pilot, who turned down Oklahoma and TCU and stuff like that to come to Houston. His father was a linebacker at Houston back in the Conference USA days. I think there was some legacy building there. And so we'll see how all that pans out for them. We also know, though, that Dana, uh, passing offense for Dana has never been the problem. Defense, other things off the, like those things can happen, but they'll put up some yards in the air, I'm sure. Um, the run game, because there's no ultimate Caskill, does appear to be they're going into the season, I should say anyway, with the running back by committee trope. Uh, you hear a lot of schools do. Um, Stacy Sneed and Brandon Campbell kind of picked up the slack last year with no Alton McCaskill. They're back. Um, the big transfer in the running back room was Tony Mathis. He played at West Virginia. Actually, I think had been recruited by the staff that Daniel Horson had, so there was some relationship there. Mm-hmm. My West Virginia folks I talked to love Tony Mathis. I liked his production on the field, so I think that's a good fit. I don't know that he's like a 
three down back, though. I think he's still going to be. He's rotating. not a world beater. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, again, back to the freshman, it might not impact this season as much, but Parker Jenkins is a high end four star recruit from the Houston area staying home because like we said, that Houston's now a power five program. They're going to be piecing that together. You know, Brandon Campbell will get short yardage stuff. They'll do something with Tony Mathis, and then Stacey Sneed might catch some balls out. You know, those kinds of things will happen. Kind of everyone will have their role. And so it'd be nice to have Alton back, obviously. Um, and potentially playing him in two years at Colorado is going to be a little weird. <laughs> but we'll, we'll do what we got to do, I guess. Uh, the offensive line, especially the left side, it appears at this point, right? They're going to have to retain a lot. It looks like that's going to be the strength of the team. And obviously it's, you know, they say it's more the pass blocking side of it, but that's good to have some returning pieces or a majority returning pieces sounds like on the offensive line. Yeah. I'm excited about the offensive line. So they've got five guys that um, I guess. So the left guard started every game in 2021 and missed 2022 hurt. The right tackle started in 2021 and missed 2022 hurt. And then the other three, started both seasons so they've got a number right. of guys that have experience got, yeah they've played it's just they have it all matched up together at some point in time exactly yeah. um we talked about the passing offense with dana i i don't know how much you watched Tulane last year but they got their offensive line coach iman yagavi is now houston's offensive line coach and run game coordinator and i think the question mark i've got as a schematics guy is what does that do to shift houston's offense we think of dana holgerson the pass happy guy but you bring in this offensive line coach and give him a run game coordinator title. And we saw what Tajay Spears did at Tulane. Like, what does that look well, like? The big thing is we don't Houston? have Tajay Spears. Though, we don't have right? Tajay Spears. <laughs> I would love to have Tajay Spears. Uh, we don't have Tajay Spears. And so what does that look like schematically for Houston? You know, um, you got a running quarterback too. What does that change for things? But they've got as much experience as I think you can really realistically have on the offensive line. Depth. You're a Big 12 guy. You've been covering the Big 12 for a long time. Depth in this conference is a big deal. We get really young really fast. And so that, you know, knock on wood, that could be problematic. But we're crossing our fingers <laughs> and hoping for the best there, I think. With the well, depth. there's just an element of last man standing that happens in this league, right? Like, I mean, I think we saw Kansas out of the gate was so – even, you know, Houston knows that last year. They, they fell victim to the red-hot KU team. And, uh, you know, Oklahoma State and Baylor very, very healthy at the end of the years previously – uh, mostly can be said for TCU and for K State last year too. That's a lot of places, but like this league, especially, just your depth will define a lot of how far you go. Um, uh, you know, let's go to defense. That is a huge question mark for this Doug Belk group, mm-hmm. and they really hit the transfer portal very, very hard. Um, now we heard a lot of stuff. So, you know, David Aguebu was a guy a lot of people were excited for. It sounds like. They're going to try to just make make him a an outside, you know, just a pass rush. They really want to have him get after the quarterback. What what do you think we're going to see from this Houston defense, and who are the guys to look for? So I love the pass rush. Uh, you mentioned Igwegbu is the transfer in. His position on most things is listed as literally as just edge. Like he is just going to come in and pass rush. Um, he was an energy guy, ton of fun to watch Oklahoma. Um, so credit to him there. The guy returning, I think that everyone's excited to see the next steps for is a kid named Nelson Caesar. Um, Nelson Caesar had uh, what ended up being a game-winning touchdown uh, fumble recovery last year as a defensive lineman. Um, he's been kind of on the rotation on the defensive line as they've had the Derek Parrishes, the Anthony Joneses, Peyton Turners, guys that are now making plays on Sunday. I guess uh, Derek Parrish will be making plays in the upcoming Sundays. He's going to be a rookie this year. Um, but 
he's been in the same rotation, and now it's kind of his turn to be the leader. He was there at media days representing the defense. Um, I think he's up to the task. That's kind of where the veteran part of this defense stops, um, is, is the defense line. Dot Nwanko, I should mention. Um, Chidozie Nwanko goes by Dot. He's the nose tackle. He's a 290 nose tackle, which isn't the 350 guy that like Cincinnati has or whatever, but he's very, very talented. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so he might not jump off the page in the way other guys do, but he's worth keeping an eye on. But anyway, like I said, the defensive line is where the veteran stuff stops. Uh, Hassan Hippolyte, you would say because he is a senior, would be a red, would be a veteran, but he's moving from safety to linebacker, right? So it, it's a very new position for him. Uh, and then at every other spot, you're looking at guys that are either experienced but new to Houston, or you know that have pl- maybe played a handful of games last season, or things like that. That just guys that were hoping for good things, we just don't know how they fit together. I'm excited about the secondary, but it is all new names. It's it's. I mean, they will not start a person in the secondary that played for Houston last season. They went a four-two-five, and all five guys will be new to the U of H this fall. Yikes! <laughs> yeah, Yikes. I, mean, I mean, I mean, in some ways it's good, but like you, you do want some continuity in the back end, right? Well, I will say if you told so. Houston, I think the most notorious score for their defense last year was they lost to SMU sixty-three to seventy-seven in football. Oh, I promise that's a football that's score. That's right. That was like the six. <laughs> yeah, that was like six. <laughs> oh um, my god! And if you'd have told me they were turning a defensive back to play defensive back from that game, I'd have been a little worried. So I don't think it's horrible thing that they're turning over New Leaf and, and finding guys that can make some plays back there. But we just haven't seen them play for Houston yet. So what they look like as a group has yet to be seen. And like I said, UTSA is not an easy game. It's the first game to see that kind of stuff. All right. So let's, let's now look at this, uh, at the schedule for 2023. All right. So I am a, uh, I am somebody, not sure how you like to divide up things when you look at them, Parker, but when I divide things up, I'm a month by month guy. Now that I'm a full adult, full grown adult, you know, that's kind of how we like to do things. I'm going to do it by fours. I know I, I know that September 30th is uh, still in September. I understand that. But just for the sake of keeping things neat and tidy, we'll break things up by, by fours. So UTSA at Rice, TCU, Sam Houston. I think we all feel the most likely situation of all of this is a three and one, most likely. Worst case is two and two. Hopeful is four and oh, right? Is that how is that how you're reading this? Yeah, and I, I've said, again, I, I continue to praise UTSA, but a Power 5 team should beat UTSA. And then I look at Rice as a team you should, again, it's a road game, but it's They're across bad. the city of Houston. Rice uh, has been bad for a while. You know this, <laughs> I know this. No, we all it, know well, this. they have, do you see they have, uh, is it JT Daniels? What's the guy? Yeah, and uh, yeah. Um, and they have one of the McCaffreys. Like, <laughs> it's like, um, well, it's, just, it's just, you know, it's, it's hard to get kids qualified there, you know, because yeah. of, it, just because of, I mean, it's a rigorous academic. Uh, I mean, you know, it's a very difficult school to, 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 to go to. And, and, to, and they don't know, cut to, slack at all. I will right. say, though, that UTSA, Rice, and Sam Houston, if you're going to be a Big 12 school, you've got to be able to beat those three schools. Like, like, right. It's it's their first year in the Big Twelve, but if you're going to be a Big Twelve school, you got to beat them. You're a Big Twelve guy, so maybe you can answer some questions for me. I still don't know what to make of 2023 TCU, right? Like they had a magical yeah. year last year. Who knows what we're going to see in Week Three? Like that's so early in the season. Yeah, I don't really know. I think I look. I think they're really. I think they're going to be actually pretty good. I and I don't think anybody's really. T- it's funny nobody's talking about them. You know, and, and you and I are at media days. I thought it was really funny. Like we, I did not feel like TCU was getting a whole lot of shine. 
No. Um, and I think it's obviously so much has turned over, but, and I also, I think a part of this too is, you know, you look at the last three big 12 championship games, six different teams have played in it. And, and uh, three of those teams, the following season, Iowa state, Oklahoma state and, and Baylor didn't have very good follow-ups. Right. I mean, they had pretty average follow-ups after that. Oklahoma's 2021 was really good, but they didn't, they didn't make a big 12 title game. So I think I think that everybody's thinking TCU's the the fallback candidate, but man, Kendall Bryles is a really good offensive coordinator, and yeah. and Sonny Dyke spent a lot of capital and a lot of goodwill to bring him in there to bring a Bryles to TCU, um, and Chandler Morris was going to start anyway last year, so I still think they do have some pieces going to make them really good. I think you know I, I don't think they're going to fall off a cliff. I think they're better than that. I will say it's interesting, but the schedule is they don't leave the state of Texas until October twenty eighth. I mean, no. the schedule, right? They don't leave. They 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 are staying in town ostensibly for the game against. Where's the Rice game being played? They play the Rice game at is Rice, at Rice, but it's just across which, town. I mean, which is you know, I I don't really know much about Houston geography, but I can't be like, can't be too <laughs> it's not far. Much. Yeah, right. TCU's at home. Also, shout out to the Rice game being on NFL Network. I, I love. <laughs> I, they get the full game. This is the full gamut. You get FS1, NFL Network, Fox, and ESPN Plus in the first four games. <laughs> the first four so games. Yeah, it's, it's just a, a wild television experience. But they are all night games, which is cool. At Tech, which I think is exciting. I think that'll be a good I mean, I feel like and, um, it's got a good chance to be a rivalry, right? Houston at Tech. Good or, chance you know, to be a rivalry. Two large public schools in the state. The fun fact on that one is because of Dana's connection to Leach and Kingsbury, right. they're doing a big Leach thing that night for uh, awesome. Mike Leach. Um, and I'm sure Dana will take some, it's going to be a fun, a fun weekend. And I kind of wish, obviously we all wish Mike Leach was around for it, but, right. um, but it, it'll be a cool thing. I think to honor that guy. So October looks rough. Uh, um, I'm not, and we're going to count the at, at tech, West Virginia, Texas, and at Kansas state. I'm going to be honest. I see one, three there. I think the West Virginia game is the one you might get. Um, and I, I don't think they're going to be in great shape at that point either. So they might be getting a wounded animal. <laughs> so um I, I think you know that's a good opportunity but I, i'm seeing one and three out of this how about you so i look at it the tech game again houston took tech to double overtime last year right. um there will be emotion in the air it's a night game it's at their place etc that's tough it's a tough place to play the tortillas in the field and donovan smith revenge game and donovan smith revenge i'm sure there'll be it's a night game there's a leech thing going on i'm sure they'll be staying up like uh, all night the night before and all day getting ready to talk to and about Donovan Smith. Uh, that's the student section, I guess you should say. Um, yes. West Virginia, I also am counting as a win. I will say if they played at West Virginia, they could talk about the same kind of road thing with Dana, but it's at home. Mm -hmm. So Texas is ta more talented on paper. And I, and I don't, I don't mean to say they're not. That is an early October game. It is, I believe after Oklahoma, you have watched the big 12 for a long time. Texas 100% loses a game at about that time of year. They should not lose. And I, I'm, Maybe I'm being crazy. I don't know. The city of Houston is like, why not us? Right? Like, <laughs> like, like, like right. Texas will lose a game. They should not lose. Why is that game not the Houston game? It, it's a game. They always lose a game. They shouldn't lose. They're always better than people on paper and they always drop one. There is a chance there are some positive vibes uh, after if they beat West Virginia. I do think that here's what I think. I think for Houston to get out of to, to, to for that to happen, they need to be like four and two at that point, right? Like they need to beat uh, UTSA, need to beat Rice, need to beat Sam Houston, they need to beat West Virginia. So they need to have like a, you know at least just kind of a nice, or even five and one. I think I think it's going to be necessary for them. You're right. 
that that game you could circle that game and it does feel maybe uh texas tech-ish if you will from last year uh the oklahoma state game was one they, they lost they should not have lost last year so that's right in the zone i just think that team is like i think they are extremely extremely i think the thing about this team that group is if they get pretty average quarterback play, they're going to be really good. Like oh, just uh, above average quarterback play. It's six and they're, out of they're very talented on paper, and I'm not trying to say they're not. I, I, and there is part of me as being a homer. They could lose a different game to someone else they shouldn't lose, right? Like I just right. feel confident that Texas will lose a game they shouldn't lose this year. And I'm looking at that spot on their schedule. Like That's kind of a spot where it would happen. Now, yeah. could they lose to Baylor they shouldn't lose? They could lose to somebody else too, right? They could lose to somebody else they shouldn't lose to. Right. Um, the funny thing is, though, is that I am incredibly less confident about going up to Kansas State. That game, that scares, game that's a loss. That scares me. I think that Baylor might be a loss too, right? I'm kind of so. I think I think at that point in time, like I'm going to have them hovering around 500. I think maybe if you can give me a two and one in the Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, UCF stretch, we're talking about a bowl team. Um, you know, I think somewhere in that range, and so that's how I see it. I see them as a team fighting around six and six. Maybe seven and five, eight and four, things all break correct, but I, I see them hovering around a bowl. And I have not seen, I detect, I meant to check the FanDuel odds uh, for what they have for over under. Um, Last I saw was only four and a half. And I, I, I've been. Right. So that's kind of what, yeah, it's kind of right where I, I see them. Four and a half, five, six is kind of where I think the range should be. And so I look at this schedule, and now we've done it the top to bottom. It is not wholly undifferent than the schedule would have been for Houston like a year ago, right? Cincinnati and UCF. Also coming from the American Athletic Conference. Your three non-cons, a group of five teams. Those teams have been on your schedule for a minute now. Texas Tech was a team they played in the past. They typically have played one other Power Five team when they were an American Athletic Conference team. So suddenly, mm-hmm. like, their schedule doesn't look that much different. Mark, can I stop really fast? I mean, folks, right now, the price is minus 134. So it's some juice on that over the FanDuel Sportsbook. Over four and a half. I see. This is this. I mean, <laughs> this is like maybe free money. I mean, I I'm trying UTSA to help you guys make money here. <laughs> but like, UTSA Rice, Sam Houston. Okay, I know Sam Houston's a pretty good FCS program, but it's a home game. UTSA is a home game. If you can go three and one in that month, which is not crazy, all you need is two conference wins. You can get. I'll give you West Virginia. I'll give you Cincinnati. I mean. You know, I I think five is like, I it's really attainable. I think, I five think is it, really attainable. I think it is now. If if it were bowl eligible or something, I guess that'd be a little like right. I think I, I would be taking it. Right, I would be taking it because that's what I want. But like, I could see five how someone feels really five does not feel that crazy. Um, yeah. and so like, I think Cincinnati's gonna suck. I think they're gonna be really bad. <laughs> really, well, really bad. It's not gonna go well. I think West Virginia sucks too. Well, and Oklahoma State, and maybe um. Given, being too dismissive of them, but I feel like they've had their own problems at quarterback and turnover and stuff too. They right? turned to Alan Bowman, which is like you know I I don't know how that's going to go. I think nobody knows how it's going to go. Right. So anyway, they see him at the end of the season. So who knows? Maybe they figured it out by then. But right. Um. I I do think Houston will be better than the FanDuel odds and and experts say. I think the deal is is that a lot of that and this kind of circles back to what we opened with is people don't know who's on this roster and haven't seen them play together, and so that. Mixed match of five new faces in the secondary could be really good, 
Or it could be dudes that don't know who's on first because they haven't well, played together yet, right? It's and it's funny just because we've circled around to this team, you know, and, and I've done I've done fourteen of these, so it's 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 hard to think about who's on what squad or whatever. But like, oh, David Iguay, David Iguay's here, and you know, it's like you know, it's like oh, you know, he's got the guys transfer again. It's like oh, you know, some 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 familiar names, and oh, I forgot, you know, Donovan Smith. You mentioned he'd been named a starter now. It's like I I you know I I've obviously thought about him being there, but it hadn't occurred to me. It's like oh, it's it's over. He's he's won the job, which obviously he should have going there and it's like these are guys i know that have had some success in the league and like you know it's a coach has had success in the league and i don't i don't see dana now like i know some there's been some questions about dana holgerson's team's effort at times especially last year and penalty stuff like that you mentioned but like five and seven fighting for a bowl that's where i see this team you agree i think that that uh is a healthy or spot bare minimum yeah um i will say that i think there are expectations of more like a bowl um and I know. I, again, we opened up with. I don't think his job is really in jeopardy if they went five and seven. I don't mean that, but I do think there is kind of this expectation looking at the schedule, like, hey, you got Cincinnati and Central Florida. Those are both American Athletic Conference teams, and you got three non cons that don't include a Power Five, like, like you know, those kinds of things that I think we're and looking you don't at. Don't like, leave the state of Texas until October twenty eighth. <laughs> like it's you don't leave five Houston. For, we can do. Can we win? We can be five wins. Come on. You don't leave Houston for the first month, Josh. <laughs> like, yeah, like, you, yeah, exactly. I'm, like, I'm, I'm placing this wager. Uh, folks are watching this on the uh, Thursday or Friday uh, of tw- of the week of August 24th, 25th. So one of those two days. By the time you all have seen this, I have already placed a sizable <laughs> wager on on Houston. I, I didn't realize it was the over under total until we until we talked about it. So Parker, I'm over. You've convinced me at least of five wins. Five is not crazy. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. All right, Parker, where can people find you and your work and all of its variety? Yeah, on all social media platforms. I'm at P Ainsworth512. It's Painsworth512. Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky, wherever, wherever you do your things. Uh, and then every day we do Locked on Cougs, so daily podcast of Houston Cougars. Um, you know, we have a rough week. We lost a, a basketball alumni start of the week, Reggie Cheney. So we've been doing a little bit of memorying about him and then kind of getting ready for football season, trying to cheer people back up. So a bit of a roller coaster week, but that's what I've been doing at Locked on Cougs. <laughs> <laughs> we felt the same here in Arkansas. Uh, I cover the Razorbacks, yeah. obviously, yeah. the fellow loss of Reggie Cheney. But uh, I do appreciate you coming on the show, Parker. It was a pleasure, and I'm sure we'll be talking as the season goes along. Definitely, man. Thanks for having me on.